Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast for the Wilmington, Ohio Church of Christ. We pray that this message will inspire you and help you grow closer to God in your faith. Be sure to stick around after the message to find out more about how you can take your next best step. Enjoy the message. I was recently asked, why do we take communion every week? And, and what does that mean exactly? And we do. We take communion every week. If, if you haven't already grabbed your communion packet, we will be taking communion later in the service. And we have communion packets at each door. I, we take communion every week because uh, the scripture says that when we gather, we should do this in remembrance of Jesus. So we do. We want to remember what Jesus has done for us. And we do this because... We like turning to Jesus Christ in communion. We, we love that response. In fact, that a lot of times that's, what we, that's when we place communion in our worship service. After the message has been given and after we hear the word of God, we want to respond to what the scripture speaks to us. So a lot of times, uh, <laughs> let me rephrase that. Every time I read the scripture, there is something in there that I need to repent of that I haven't been doing right or I've been doing wrong. And communion is a good way to respond with repentance. Or there's something I see beautiful about Jesus in the scripture. And communion is a, is a great opportunity to remember Jesus and the beauty, the glory of Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Messiah, the one uh, for us. And so we place communion a lot of times at the end of our sermon. You know, you can also, uh, as, as it's a response. You can also put communion at the beginning of the uh, worship time to prepare your heart to turn to the Lord. I mean, but we, we want to remember Christ frequently. But don't, so, so, we, so we put communion toward the end as an immediate response to what we just hear. But don't you sometimes wonder, is there something else I can do for the Lord? Is there some other kind of action that is beyond communion that I could do for Jesus that may please him? Well, if you've ever thought that or ever had a question about that, today's passage of Scripture out of Romans chapter 12 is going to give you three responses that you can go do today immediately. Three responses that you can respond to God's grace and, and, and just please Him. And before we get to there, let's uh, go to God in prayer. God, I ask you uh, today, would you transform us by the power of your Holy Spirit using the word of God using the scripture. Lord, I ask that you would help me teach clearly and then you would call us all to respond with action out of love and gratitude for the grace that you have given us. It is Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Romans chapter 12 through 16 is Paul's now giving us a response to what he has taught us in Romans chapters 1 through 11. And so today we're just going to focus on uh, chapter 12, and we're going to try to get through the whole chapter, and we're going to see the three responses you can take to God's grace. Uh, So let me read just the first section, and we'll hear the first response. You can respond to God's grace, number one, by giving yourself... To God. Here's what verses 1 and 2 of Romans chapter 12 say. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, 
Paul is urging us. He's, he's not commanding. He's encouraging. Do this. Do this. It's almost a command. I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable, uh, acceptable to God. I, I think that word should be pleasing. Pleasing to God, which is your spiritual or logical service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and pleasing and perfect. Let me read that passage again. We're going to spend an an inordinate amount of time on point one, and then we're going to hit the rest of the scripture. So you, you need to hear this again. Just listen and let the words wash your mind and wash over your soul. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, pleasing to God, which is your logical act of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. If you want to respond to God's grace, all these things that Paul has told us in Romans chapter 1 to 11, if you want to respond to his mercies, then you need to give yourself to God. You need to be giving your whole self to God, both your body and your mind. Give to the Lord. First, we need to remember his mercies. When Paul says... In view of God's mercies, he's trying to bring to mind everything he has said in Romans chapter 1 through 11. Now, we hit on chapters 1 through 11. We kind of zoomed out and zoomed in frequently over the last several weeks. Hopefully, you've been reading, doing the reading challenge of Romans, reading two chapters a day, and you're seeing some of these things come up in our messages time and time again where you hear about the mercies of God. You know, there there are several mercies mentioned in Romans chapter 1 through 11. I counted 32 of them, 32 gifts from God to us. You know, number, you know, a number one thing that we keep going back to is, is justification by grace. That means God declares us not guilty as a gift, not anything we have earned. I counted 32 mercies. Uh, We're not even going to talk about today how the Holy Spirit intercedes for us and Jesus intercedes for us with prayer and how the Holy Spirit dwells within us. But there are 32 gifts that I count. I wonder if you went back and reread Romans 1 through 11 and you underlined every single gift that you could say thank you to God for that would help us remember in, in verse 1 of chapter 12, therefore, because of what you just read, therefore, because of these incredible gifts that God has given us, we should respond. I want to mention seven of these mercies. Now, this is just seven out of what I found, 32. Seven. Um, one, he credits us righteousness. So you're not right with God, but he credits your account like you are right with God because of what Jesus has done. Jesus had a perfect relationship with God. Jesus never sinned, and his account was credited to yours. I'm going to mention Joe Burrow here in a minute, but wouldn't it be kind of awesome if your account at the bank was credited with his new account? Now, I know, I know, only $219 million is guaranteed. But it still would be nice if his account was credited. Jesus' account is credited to your account. We could just stop there. 
What a gift. Jesus, the Son of God, becomes our brother in Christ. Our brother. We become children of the Father. We're in the family, and our account is exactly like Jesus' account. He credits us with righteousness. We are made right with God. We don't have to have any other mercies than just that one. But there are more. Jesus' sacrifice provides atonement. That means it's covered. If you ever go to lunch and you forget your wallet and the person you're eating lunch with says, don't worry about it, I got you covered. That's what Jesus does with us with our sin. He says, I got you covered. And his blood really does cover us. God gives us, uh, he brings us from death to life. He says, before we know Jesus, we're spiritually dead. After we know Jesus, we are spiritually alive. Yeah, uh, if you want to take a picture of those seven, that would be good because I have an action step for you to take those seven with you. But you can read these and you can find these on your own. Um, God poured his love into our hearts. God has allowed us to die to sin. God works for our good. He allows those who do not seek him to find him. Isn't that incredible that God sees through time and opens up our eyes to be able to see him even when we're not looking for him? These mercies are incredible. Here's your action step. uh, Scripture is meditative literature. What I mean by that is it's, it's something you're supposed to put in your mind and think about over and over and over again. We're supposed to roll it around in our mind. How does this affect me? How does this change me? What does this mean exactly? How could God have done this? Why does God do this? And we think about that scripture, that's meditative literature. And as we meditate on it, the Holy Spirit uses that to change us. You all already, let me rephrase that. I already do meditative practices, but some people call that worry. You put a fear in your mind and you roll it over in your mind over and over again. I'm meditating on a fear, meditating on what might happen, meditating on what could happen, meditating on the worst that could happen. That's meditation. It's just sinful meditation. Jesus says, do not worry. Psalm 37 says, do not fret. It's a command from God. Instead, we're supposed to use that ability we have to put scripture in and roll that over in our mind over and over again. We need to remember these mercies of God and as we remember them, roll them over in our mind, think about them, that's going to cause us to be like, whoa, I I just have to respond to this. Is is there something I can do? I, I have so much gratitude for what God has given me. He's changed me from the inside out. I wanna do something. Well, Paul says, therefore, because of those mercies, here is your action step. Remember what he said in chapter 12, verse 1? Present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice. This is pleasing to God, and it's the only logical thing to do. Some of our translations have, this is your spiritual act of worship, but the I think it more closely resembles reasonable act of worship. It's logical. In fact, the the Greek word is where we get the word logic from. This is is how we are to respond. What can I do? Paul says, give your whole body to Jesus. A living sacrifice. Uh, Sacrifice means killing and living means alive. So we have an alive killing, a living killing. Jesus says, 
If you're going to be my disciple every day, you have to take up your cross and follow me. Well, you can't take up your cross and go to your death and follow him every day. It's a, it's a, it's a metaphor. You sacrifice your own comfort and your own pleasure to please God. You take your money that you would have spent on yourself and you all of a sudden spend it on somebody else to please God. You're sacrificing yourself, your own comfort, your own pleasure for the kingdom and for his glory. This is how we serve as a living sacrifice, daily putting aside our own concerns, our own desires, and daily picking up the desires God has for us in his kingdom. We did this as a church just a couple of weeks ago. We had a sacrificial giving month for a Lifeline Christian mission. We found out that Lifeline was unable to provide students the the money they needed to go to school in some of their Lifeline schools. And so our church sacrificially gave. And here's what I mean by that. We're called by God to consistently give an offering to whatever local congregation that you're involved with. And so we said at the beginning of that month, beginning of July, we're gonna sacrificially give to Lifeline. We said, this is above and beyond your offering. And I gotta, I'm really, I, I like to brag about our church when we win spiritually. Our offering continued to come in for the month of July and our church raised $20,000 to send students to school for the year. These students in Lifeline schools, these orphanages, they go to school, they get a breakfast and lunch and they hear about Jesus. And our church made that happen for, I forget how many students that is, but that's a lot of students. 42 students. Thank you. We sacrificially gave. We remembered what God has done for us. I think some of you remembered how generous he has been with your own finances and you gave what you would have spent on yourself or what you would have spent on vacation or what you would have spent on your own kids. You gave to other kids. This is a living sacrifice. It happens all the time in our church. I called up someone who has consistently given every year we have upward basketball in our church where we have kindergarten through fifth grade students or fourth grade students this year we're doing kindergarten through sixth and we have students in here almost every day of the week and then uh, several times on Saturday and they learn basketball but really they learn about Jesus Christ and every year there's a there's a family in our church that has given money they don't have kids of their own in our church they give money to upward basketball to pay for some kid that can't afford it every year. And I found out that we had three students I know of that needed scholarship help. And so I called up this person who I know has given every year to upward basketball. I said, "Uh, this year, I know there's three students. Would you all mind donating again to upward basketball? And they were like, yes, no problem. I already told Cheryl we would. They were already on top of it. You know, and what what they're doing is they're taking their money And sacrificially giving it to somebody else. Because they've been blessed. They recognize the mercies God has. They do this out of a gladness and a gratitude. Not out of a have to or rule. They're not trying to earn God's favor. They're in God's favor and they want to respond. How can we do something back that would please God? Another person I know, they show up. I won't tell their name. I think they would be embarrassed. But you might notice someone, one lone car in the parking lot and one lone figure bending down at the sidewalks. They're pulling weeds. 
This one lone figure found out that that is an activity someone could do at our church. And they said, I don't like to be in front of people. I don't, I'm not really a great cook. I don't want to lead kids, but I can pull weeds. And this person said, I don't even like pulling weeds, but I'll do it for my church. They're here every week pulling weeds. And by the time they get around the whole building, it's time to start over pulling weeds again. They're sacrificing their time and their energy to serve because they love what God has done for them. Here is what I would like for you to do with this first step, this first response. I I would love for you to take those seven responses that I listed and meditate on one of them every day for a week. With the goal, with the goal of leading your heart to gratitude for what God has done for you. So you have this desire within you to look for places to serve in his kingdom. It could be with this, within this congregation, or it could be in our community. It could be uh, somewhere in the, I don't know where God is going to lead you to serve, but if you meditate on his mercies, what he has given to you, and you do that every day for a week, it will, it will start changing you. And you will say, Lord, how can I respond? And then you'll remember chapter 12, verse 1. You need to respond by becoming a living sacrifice. You'll say, okay, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. And God sometimes asks us to do hard things or uncomfortable things. But the people in love with Jesus, they're like, I'll do it. Verse 2 in this same section We're still under the heading. You need to respond to the grace of God by giving yourself to God. You need to respond to God's grace by giving yourself to God. Verse 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do not be conformed, but be transformed. That word uh, conformed has this idea of being shaped and molded. If you've ever taken a cookie cutter and cut out cookies, you are shaping those cookies to the form you want them to be. If you've ever had Play-Doh or seen kids play with Play-Doh, they sometimes get a mold and they pack that Play-Doh in the mold. They peel the Play-Doh out and the Play-Doh looks like the mold that they had just packed it in. The world and Satan is trying to conform you, shape you into worldly attitudes and thoughts. Because of God's mercies, don't be conformed and shaped by the world, but instead, and I love this word, transformed. Be transformed in your mind. Now, this isn't just like God shaping us by his word. This is God making us into a new person. This word transformed is only used three other places in the Bible. In Matthew chapter 17 and Mark chapter 9, it's the same story. Jesus goes up on a mount. He takes Peter, James, and John with him, and he is transformed in front of them. He begins to glow white like lightning, and his face, and they're, they're kind of terrified because his glory is revealed. He's transformed from the human appearance to his God appearance in their midst. And Elijah and Moses end up standing there talking with him. And Peter, James, and John are just blown away. It's used one other place. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, it says, We all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image. We're being changed. 
We're not the same person shaped into Jesus. We're being changed, transformed to a new person like the character of Jesus, with the character of Jesus. Paul says, in view of God's mercies, have your mind transformed, changed by the Holy Spirit. You know, if we are thinking about the word of God and we're meditating on those mercies, the Holy Spirit doesn't say he's going to shape us. The Holy Spirit says, as you think about those mercies, as you meditate on the scripture, he's going to transform you like Jesus was transformed in front of his apostles. You will be changed from the inside out in your character, in your being. You will have more of the character of Christ. You'll still be you and without any of your character flaws. This is a progressive sanctification that happens our whole life. When we first start following Jesus, he starts changing us to be like him. And the purpose of God, he's working all things for our purpose, is to change us to be like Jesus Christ. Not just shape us, but transform us. Dave Frazier is the pastor at Calvary Baptist Church just down the street. And um, he has a podcast called Pastor Pap's Podcast. And him and his grandson, he says it's his old his favorite oldest grandson. They do this podcast and his grandson basically interviews him. And he interviews him on how to be a pastor. And he has started a new series. Basically it's called the the 10 commandments to grow closer to Jesus Christ. And the number one commandment is, is not going to shock any of you if you've been at church for a while, but it might, might motivate you to do this. He said, his son asking, his grandson asking, how do we get closer to Jesus? How do we become a disciple of Jesus? And Pastor Pap, Dave Frazier, he said, well, you know, I've been to Bible college and I've gotten a degree and I've learned how to study and, and uh, I've memorized. He said, the number one way is none of that. The number one way to grow closer to Jesus is just to spend time with God every day consistently. I want to go and spend time with God every day consistently. He said, you don't have to go to Bible college. You don't have to get a degree. If you would only spend consistently a little bit of time every day with God, you will grow closer to Jesus. You will become a deeper, more intimate disciple of Jesus Christ. You will know God's will. You will know how God thinks, and he will transform you. The number one way to be transformed in our character, to renew our mind, not just shaped, but changed into a new person, is to spend consistent time with God every day. Now, what that looks like is we read and memorize and meditate on Scripture and we learn how to pray. Those are the actions to spend time with our God. And some of those actions, they're called disciplines because sometimes disciplines are difficult. If you want to work out to build muscles, the workout is difficult, but then when you have muscles, you're happy with the results. And so you want to work out even though it's hard so that you can have the results that you love. Well, if you want to love being closer to Jesus, you do a little bit of the hard work effort, spend time with him. It does take a little effort, does take some time, but you're gonna love the results because he's going to transform you. You will not be the same person. He won't just mold you and shape you, transform you. If you want to respond 
If you want to respond to God's grace, you remember his mercies, then respond this way. Spend a little bit of time with him every single day. This will be your logical act of worship that pleases God. You want to please God? You find out what he's done for you? He says, give me yourself. Give me your body and your mind. Sacrificially serve me and have your mind renewed, transformed by the word of God every day, consistently. And this will please God. Can you imagine we get to We get to please God. He's done so much for us, and we get to say thank you with our actions and our thoughts. We get to say thank you by giving ourselves to him. If you want to respond to God's grace, you do it by giving yourself to God. Number two, if you want to respond to God's grace, you also need to give your gifts to the body. Give your gifts to the body. Paul called the church, the body. He also called it the temple. The church is not the building. The church is the people. I would define the church as called out believers gathered together so they can be sent on mission. Called out believers gathered together so they can be sent on mission. Called out believers. You've been called out to Believe in Christ, and you have. You've gathered together, and now you're sent on mission. It's easier to say the body. It's easier to say church. It's easier to say the temple. And this is what Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 13. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment. As God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many parts in one body and all the body's parts do not have the same function. So we who are many are one body in Christ and individually parts of one another. However, since we have the gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to use them properly. If prophecy is your gift, use it in proportion to your faith. If service is your gift... Do the act of serving. If you have the gift of teaching, do the act of teaching. If you have the gift of exhorting, do the work of exhortation. The one who gives with generosity, the one who is in leadership with diligence, the one who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Love must be free of hypocrisy, detest what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. That section reveals to us how we serve with our body, but there's a, there's a point he makes that we are all one body. We all can work together. You know, Paul uses this uh, phrase, body. The, the church is also called the temple. In Exodus chapter 35, God says, I'm going to build a tabernacle for me to reveal my presence to you. And then he said, I'm going to bless these servants of mine to be able to build the tabernacle. And so our junior and high school students had to learn how to pronounce these names. Moses said to the sons of Israel, see, the Lord is called by the name Bezalel. 
son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah. And he filled him with the spirit of God and wisdom and understanding and knowledge and all craftsmanship to create designs for working in gold and silver and in bronze and the cutting of stones for settings and, the, and, and in the carving of wood so as to perform every inventive work. He also has put in his heart to teach both he and Oholiab, the son of Ahasamach, Ahizamach, Ahizamach, of the tribe of Dan. He's filled them with skill to perform every work of an engraver, of a designer, and an embroiderer in violet, purple, and scarlet material, and in fine linen, and of a weaver as he performs every work and makes makers of designs. God gave Bezalel and Aholiab, the son of Ahizamach, he gave them spiritual giftings, understandings, to make his temple beautiful. And now he says, you are the temple of God. And he's going to give you a gift to work within the body to make the church beautiful. And he's not talking about making sure the floors are clean, although that's nice. He's not talking about making sure the windows are clean so the building looks beautiful. He's talking about how we work with one another to grow us in the Lord so that we can be transformed to look like Jesus. And he said, some of you have been given a gift of teaching. Some of you have been given a gift of encouraging. Some of you have been given a gift of serving. And he's not making a comprehensive list. There's a whole bunch of things that you're gifted at that can help us grow in the Lord. And just like he did with the tabernacle and the temple, he gave people the gifts to be able to make the temple beautiful. He now gives the body of Christ, the temple where, where Jesus dwells within us, he gives us gifts to make people beautiful for the Lord. In Acts chapter 6, there, at the very first church, there was a group of widows who were not receiving daily rations of food. They were not being helped out. And they came to the apostles and then they said, hey, apostles, these people are not receiving food. And the apostles said, you know, our gift is really teaching and in prayer. And so we want to use what we're gifted at you find seven men that are full of the Holy Spirit, full of wisdom, and we're going to give them the responsibility of making sure the widows receive the food. So we can do our responsibility of prayer and teaching the Word of God. And you see, here's, here's a, we need to be really clear on this. There is not a difference of importance, and there's not a difference of character. The apostles were full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, These new deacons were full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. The difference was not in character, it was in calling. The apostles were called to serve in their spiritual gifts, teaching, and these other men were now called to serve in their spiritual gifts, serving. They had a responsibility to do, a task to complete, and it was important. You don't want widows to die from starvation because you didn't bring them food. They couldn't work, they, couldn't, they didn't have anybody helping them, they had no children to help them, and so the church helped them. But every person and every task in that first church had a responsibility to do what God had called them to do to help the church. If we were going to make an analogy today, we wouldn't say the church is like a body, we wouldn't say the church is like a temple, we'd say the church is like a football team. There are some people on the football team that get more publicity But everybody on that offensive line has to do their part for the quarterback to look good. 
That's why Joe Burrow in 2021, he bought all of his linemen diamond encrusted watches because Joe Burrow knows that if his linemen don't do their job, he can't do his job, but he gets all the publicity and the linemen you never hear about. And that's why last year, Joe Burrow bought all of his linemen cruises to go on where they could take a plus one because he knows that it's not a difference in importance It's a difference in calling. What have you been called to do within the church to help somebody? Time and time again, Bill Jenkins right there and Ed Blouse, Bill Jenkins is our former facility manager. Ed Blouse is our current facility manager. Both of them have come to me at different times in my work here in the last 13 years and said, Dale, you don't need to be doing that. That's not your job. Let me do that. And it's not because I can't move a table or chair. It's because they want me focused on teaching and they and their team is going to move tables and chairs. But both are important. Don't you think it's kind of important you have chairs to sit in this morning? But some of you are going to be called to serve to move chairs when upward basketball season happens. We're going to have to take down every chair on Sunday afternoon Upward basketball is going to happen. We're going to teach all these little kids about Jesus and their parents and anybody else who's listening. And then we're going to have to put all the chairs back on Sunday morning. And some people are going to say, you know what? My calling to help this church succeed is to move chairs. It doesn't get as much publicity as the guy with the microphone, but it's just as important. I bet you wouldn't show up if you had to bring your own chair. I bet you wouldn't show up if you had to sit on the floor. I'd be teaching to nobody. It's not a difference in character, it's a difference in calling. And Paul commands us, in view of God's mercies, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, be transformed in the renewal of your mind, and here's how you do it. Wherever you're gifted, serve in that area. So here's your action step. Don't wait to be asked to serve. You ask, how can I serve? I'll give you a way to do that. If you get on the phone or if you get on the connect card or you get on our website and you go to the connect page, the connect on your app or the connect page on the website, there is a place where you can fill out your name and give your phone number and email address if you want to. And there's a little button that says, I would like to serve. Somebody from the office, maybe me, will call you and say, I want to help you serve. And I'll give you a list of places you can serve. And if what you can do isn't on that list to help the church, we'll make up a serving area so that you can serve the church. You know what's not on that list? Pulling weeds. But you know it helps. When you pull in and you see a facility that looks good and is taken care of, that helps. It helps the whole body. Your action step is to ask Where can I serve? You can ask it at the hub. You can ask it by filling out a contact sheet. You can ask it by calling the office. And we'll give you a list of things you can choose from or we'll make something up just for your special ability. Several years ago, we had people that would come in and they would find a chair that had some tears in it and they would sew the chair back together that person is no longer at this church because they've gone on to their reward 
They passed away and went to heaven. But I know some of you can sow, and that might be how you help the church, the body of believers. And that's not even on Paul's list. But if you're gifted, that's something you probably don't want me doing. Your action step is find out where you can serve. So far, we have two action steps. Meditate on the mercies of God that are found in Romans chapter 1 through 11. You can find, I found 32, see if you can find more. Underline all the places God has given you a gift. Meditate on one of those a day because it will move you, it will transform you to want to respond to, to what God has done for you. Number two, one of the ways you can respond is to give your gifts to the body. Help, your, help the body, the church, the people who are called out by God, gathered together and then sent on mission, help them come, become closer to Jesus Christ. And that might be, mean helping a person, praying with a person. It might mean helping the facility look nice so people can come in to worship. It might mean you go help in the children's area so a mom or dad can come in and hear the word of God and be around other adults while their children are taken care of. That happens. Number three, we need to re- respond to God's grace by giving yourself to God, and we need to respond by, to God's grace by giving our gifts to the body. And number three, we need to respond to God's grace by giving your efforts to peace. 14 through 21, I think the key word here is peace. Remember who Paul is writing to. He's writing to these house churches in Rome. These house churches are made up of poor people and rich people. They're made up of slaves and free people. And they're made up of Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians. And there's a big, big theme in Romans how the Jewish Christians were looking down on the Gentile Christians because the Jewish Christians knew Moses and the Ten Commandments and the law. They knew the sacrifice that they had heard about God first. And they looked down on the Gentile Christians because they didn't practice any of those things. And the Gentile Christians, they'd been in Rome And they were looking down at the Jewish Christians because they had freedom in Christ. And they didn't have to worry about the Ten Commandments because now they're just obeying the law of Jesus. And they were fighting. And they both thought they were better than each other. And Paul writes Romans to these house churches and says, you have got to be unified under Christ. You have to have peace. And in Romans chapter 14 through 21, he uh, gives this call to peace. And here's how it works. Sometimes in scripture, the very middle point of a paragraph or the very middle point of a story is the main point. And so Paul, he does this in 14 through 21. The very middle section is the main point. I'll show you why it works. He says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Never repay evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all people. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all people. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Here's how Paul does this in this section. Verse 14 and verse 21 go together. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Verse 21, do not over, be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's a blessing. Section 15 and 16 goes with verse 20. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. 
Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Verse 20, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. These are action steps you can take to help people. Now imagine if you're in a house church and you're mad at the person across from you. And Paul is writing this letter. Or you're mad at the person next to you. Paul is writing you this letter. Be it, love that person. Bless that person. Don't do anything evil to get back at that person. Verse 17 goes with verse 19. Never repay evil for evil to anyone. Verse 19, never take your own revenge. See how they go together? And that very middle point does not have a duplicate. As far as possible for you, be at peace with all people. If you want to respond to God's grace, you need to seek with all of your effort peace. That means we take the reconciliation God has given us with himself through Jesus Christ and we let it flow out of us into our own relationships. As far as it depends on you. That may mean the person that you're having an argument with or the person you disagree with or the person that hates your guts. It may mean they don't ever change. But your job is to bless them. Your responsibility in view of what God has done for you is to try to live at peace with them. And if they're in need, you meet their need. If they're hungry, you give them food. If they're thirsty, you give them something to drink. You don't repay their snide comments with a snide comment of your own. You let them pretend like they've won because you want to have the last word, right? You don't do that. No, no, we're seeking peace. I, I can't help it, and I'm a little bit embarrassed, and it probably cannot be healthy for me, but I just discovered the show Suits on Netflix. It's terrible. They all want revenge on each other, and they all connive to sneakily do revenge on each other. And here's what I hate the most about the show. I can't, I can't stop watching it. Here's what I hate the, worst, the most about it. Every episode, I finally figured out, Jacob, what I hate about it. Every episode, there is one or more scenes where they're having a confrontation, the moment is tense, and they do a zinger and then walk out of the room. They get to have the last word. It happens every episode. If you watch it, you'll you'll be like, oh, man, this happens every episode. They changed it up a little bit, season uh, season two, episode 10. This time, the person sitting had the zinger and the other person who got zinged left the room. Every other time, it's I'm going to say the last word and then I'm out of here. There is no argument that ever works that way. No discussion ever works that way. Nobody ever has a last word and it just ends and then the other person looks pensive or frustrated or they just sit there and they don't say nothing. It never works that way. And that happens every single episode. Here's my point. In Suits. Every single person on that episode has been conformed and shaped to worldly interactions where they try to one-up each other and when they get defeated, they want to take revenge. And the worldly way to do conversation and disagreement is try to cut the other person with your words and give them a zinger that sticks so you can walk out the winner. And yet when Jesus was here on the earth and they told lies about him, he did not respond. 
And when they insulted him, he did not insult them back. And when they beat him, they let, he let them beat him. And he made himself low. He becomes a human, just like us. And then he goes to death on, and it's not just any death, it's the death of a slave on a cross. And he makes himself low so he can lift everyone up to where he is. And it wasn't because he cut them with zingers or had the last word. It's because he loves you and me. God wants to transform us to be like Christ. And Paul says one of the ways that you're going to do that is you're going you're to fight like Jesus fights. And as far as it depends on you, you're not going to repay evil for evil. You're not going to try to have the last word. You're going to seek peace. Can you imagine what would happen in your relationships at home if you don't have to have the last word, but you seek peace? Can you imagine what a difference it's going to make with your children if you train them that they don't have to have the last word, but they need to seek peace? What, what kind of difference would it make if everyone just in this room, as far as it depends on you, would not seek revenge, but would bless your enemies in our community, in your workplace, at your school? What would happen? Wouldn't the Holy Spirit begin transforming the people around you like he's transforming you and all of a sudden, we have this huge difference. The church, the body, the temple, the called out ones gathered together, sent on mission. Wouldn't that make a difference where you live, where you work, where you play? We had a victory just over the summer. Wilmington City School Board approved a group of churches called One Mission to have release time in the schools. And what that means is our church, along with about seven or eight other churches in our community, are going to be able to invite students out of the school building during the day to leave campus for one period and receive Bible education and learn about Jesus. And then we get to send them back. You know what we're going to teach those students? We're going to teach them about Jesus. And we're going to teach them how he didn't respond by returning evil with evil, but he responded by seeking peace. What kind of difference is it going to make in our schools if all of our students started treating each other with the respect because they were made in the image of God? What would happen to our schools if they're transformed in their character to be like Jesus, who is not wanting to have the last word, but wanting to bring a word of peace? Oh, we are going to make a difference in our community. Isn't this a beautiful way to respond to what God has done for us? You know, he has given us a response we can do right now. It's called communion. Would you take out your communion cup? And when we have the bread and the cup, 
this is how we turn to Christ with an immediate response for the grace that he has given us. Would you take out your bread? And would you remember one of those mercies? Would you remember what Jesus has done for you? When he absorbed your sin and your mistake, when you had to have the last word, when you did not return good for the evil that was given to you, but you returned evil, he absorbed that sin in his body so you can be transformed and changed. He absorbed that sin in your body so he said, I got you covered. He absorbed that sin in your body so that God would credit you with righteousness as he credited Jesus with our sin. Would you remember what Jesus has done for you as you participate in the bread? Would you remember the mercy that God gives us that spiritually Jesus' blood covers us over, washes us completely clean? And we're now welcomed into the family of God. We can't help but respond with gratitude and love because we want to bring other people into that same gift. Would you remember what Jesus has done for you and participate in the cup? Lord, thank you for giving us this passage of scripture from 12, Romans 12, that shows us how we can respond for what you've done for us, what you continue to do in us. And now, Lord, we go to be on mission, to respond to your grace with actions of gratitude. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Have a great afternoon. We hope you have enjoyed this message. If you need someone to pray with you, talk to, or maybe you just want more information about our church, be sure to fill out a Connect card so we can reach out and help you take your next best step. Thanks again for joining, and we will see you back here next time.